Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 100 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Mary Jutton about how to measure the numbers that tell the story of your firm's success. Today's podcast is sponsored by Zero, beautiful legal accounting simplified. Find out more at Zero.com. That's X-E-R-O.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Ruby Receptionists, and it's smart, charming receptionists who are perfect for small firms. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. So first of all, episode 100. I'm kind of psyched that we made it all the way to 100. What if this is the end? It's not the end because I've already recorded the next couple of conversations. Oh, thank goodness. But it's a big number. And we're kind of closing out the year. And since we're talking about goals, we thought we would tell you a little bit about some of our goals for 2017, what you can expect from Lawyerist. Yeah, we have all sorts of cool projects we're hoping to launch in the next month or two. Yeah. Like the Florida Bar Association Partnership. So we'll be starting in January, working with the practice management advisors in the Florida State Bar Association to provide them some new additional practice management um, content from lawyerists. So that will be a fun way to work with a giant state bar association um, and reach out to some new lawyers who might not otherwise know about us. And I'm really excited because right now I'm putting the finishing touches on a pretty good redesign overhaul of the website. So starting in January, Lawyerist is going to look a little bit different. And I think it's going to be easier to navigate, hopefully a bit quicker. And uh, it's going to support some other new projects that we're working on. Yeah, I'm also excited because your new redesign is very focused on being even more mobile friendly. And I just looked today and 40% of Lawyerist's visitors now are coming from smartphones. Hmm. So I think it's very important that our mobile website be the best it can be. Yeah, I kind of I kind of thought that um, mobile visits would cap at something like a third with lawyers because most lawyers are sitting at their desks looking at a desktop computer most of the day, but maybe not. Maybe it's just going to keep going up. So good timing to do that. I think it's going to look very pretty on your phone from now on. Um, another one of our 2017 goals is we regularly get requests for help in picking practice management software or other law office software. And so we're going to build some new resource pages on the site to give readers more tools for helping decide which software is best for them. And I suppose it's worth mentioning, we we currently help people find IT consultants if they're looking for help with their systems, buying computers, outsourcing stuff, uh, building processes, assembling documents, document automation, all that kind of stuff. And we help people find website developers and designers um, because those are the kinds of questions we get all the time and we don't do it. We're not, we don't do consulting. And so the resource pages are really cool. So we're going to be launching with practice management software and then hopefully building out a pretty good resource of all kinds of things uh, to help you pick the technology for your firm and and other products to help you move on. Uh, And then kind of the super secret Skunk Works project that we haven't started yet is we're going to finally figure out a way to let people join Lawyerist and become a member. Whatever that will mean. Yeah, we're not exactly sure what it's going to mean yet, but people are always asking, like, how do I join Lawyerist? How do I support Lawyerist? And, like, we want 
people to be able to do that. And we want to build up our community and make it more, even more tight knit if we can. And so um, we're going to figure that out. And honestly, if you have ideas, um, go ahead and email us. We'd love to hear about it. Absolutely. Those are some of the things in store for 2017. Anything else you can think of? That's a good list. We have the next TBD coming up in February. So that will be an exciting event in St. Louis. Um, I need to interrupt though. So in episode 99, (laughs) we had a very interesting, thought-provoking, but not funny intro. That's true. And we promised that in episode 100, we would swear more and be funnier. Damn it. And so far, we've just listed a bunch of goals we want to accomplish, (laughs) which is basically the least funny thing we could have possibly done with episode 100. Do you have any jokes? No. (laughs) No, I don't do that. We did swear in the title of episode 99, though, so I feel like we we got part of our... Okay. Promise okay, I can, I can accept yeah. that. So, <laughs> I can accept that. Lack of hilarity aside, let's move on to today's podcast with Mary Jetton, which I think you're really going to like because it's a really good way to launch your 2017. Uh, we're going to be talking about key performance indicators, why you should have them, what they should be, and how to implement them. Uh, and speaking of what's coming in 2017, Mary is going to put together a worksheet for us so that you can do it yourself. So tune into the conversation now. I'm Mary Jetton, and I'm excited to be here. And my background is a mix of accounting. I'm a professional accountant in both Canada and the United States. And I do have a law degree, but I'm not a practicing attorney. And I spent years dabbling in process re-engineering for folks like Price Waterhouse and then off to run a software division of a company. I've worked for an engineering company. I was a director of finance for a large law. Spent most of my 30 years in business in and around billable hours. And so what is it that you do now? It's uh, Evolve Law and Tracklight, right? Oh, yes. Um, Only looking backwards. So Evolve (laughs) Law is a community to increase the adoption of legal technology and actually foster change within the legal profession that I started with uh, Jules Miller who is out of New York and formerly of Hire an Esquire, we got together and we were commiserating about the long sales cycle into the legal industry. My day job is Tracklight, which is a soft platform that I came up with and founded shortly after law school. And the idea is that we're um, using software, it's like a TurboTax for business risk and uh, intellectual property or IP identification. So we built a system that will help potential uh, clients or customers figure out what their legal needs are or their business needs. And then it, of course, then is basically issue spotting for, for the attorney. So that's the that plus writing this book is is what I've been doing for the last about 18 months. Right. And so we're here to talk about, in, in part, the book, uh, Small Firm, Small Law Firm KPIs. And I think it's a really good time to be talking about that because it's the end of the year, uh, time for New Year's resolutions and goal setting for 2017. And KPIs are really all about goal setting, right? And then evaluating whether or not you're meeting them. 
Exactly. People think, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get started on that after Q1. But it's really great to get started at the end of the year because you can go back to a full year of data. So right now we're in December 16. So you could go back and pull certain measures for all of 15 and then have 16 to look at also and set some targets and goals for next year. Well, let's start out by just talking about what KPRs are, because I've been throwing that term around now um, for the last five minutes, and I don't think that I've stopped <laughs> to define it. Um, so what are KPIs and, and what are we doing? Well, KPIs, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fancy uh, acronym. It sounds daunting, but really it's just any kind of measurement that you're going to benchmark yourself against either your own goals or your industry goals. So they are not unique to legal, which is... Um, you know, good because key performance indicators have been around in business and other professional services for many years. And the idea is that you're going to measure something that is a driver of the success of your business, which I'll go out on a limb here. Your law firm is a business. Um, <laughs> so, so it's figuring out what to your overall mission or goal of your law firm and then backing into how you're going to measure that. And the idea is they're, they're key performance indicators. Is your law firm performing? And, and you're right. Like if you're not willing to acknowledge that your law firm has a business element, then I guess stop listening to our podcast. But, <laughs> you know, we can't measure everything, but it turns out we can measure most of the things that indicate whether or not this business is healthy, growing, successful, and even are we doing right by our clients? Are our clients happy with us? Um, we can we can really measure, is, is our pipeline healthy? And you phrase it in the book as you're measuring inputs and outputs. We're trying to figure out what's coming into the firm, what's going out of the firm, comparing the two to figure out whether or not things are going the right way. Right. And, and the other kind of piece that you can lay over it is that there's cash and clients and your clients come first because they're the ones who provide you with the cash. And it's like, you know, taking the analogy from business, your clients come first, but they really do come first in terms of, of, of measuring, um, because happy clients are going to give you a profitable practice. It's not the other way around. So we really focus on metrics that impact cash. The other reason we focus on cash is that the reason that most small businesses fail is a lack of cash flow. That makes a lot of sense. The other thing about inputs and outputs is that in the law, historically, we've been focused on what we're providing. We're providing to the client our expertise, our hours. And it's not to say that time tracking of hours isn't important, but it is really important not to focus just on what you're providing to the client or the output, but actually look at what the client's needs are and the client's experience. So traditionally, firms that are tracking anything are probably tracking things like um, utilization rates or realization rates, meaning how many of the hours that you work are you actually getting paid for, which is a KPI, right? Mm -hmm. I think. Yes, it is. But it's <laughs> but it's one, and it's it doesn't really reveal that much about the healthier business, although it, maybe it's helpful. Um, so, like, I mean, what are we talking about? Should should firms have one or two or twenty KPIs? I mean, in in your book, there there are a bunch, and I think the idea is that if you're really doing if you're really tracking your firm's performance, you should probably be tracking most of these things. But is there kind of a guideline of how many things a typical firm should be tracking? Well, the way that I approached it is um, from a kind of, this is my accounting background, from a framework perspective. And 
mapping that over a lot of the lawyers that I spoke with, they think of their practice in terms of workflow. So we tried to figure out a way of matching the workflow and the KPIs. So if you think of your workflow broken down into what we did in the book was uh, seven different areas, you want to make sure that you're measuring at least one thing from each of those seven areas. And then it gets into the, you know, the old law school it depends. It depends on your firm and where you are in the life cycle of developing your firm. If it's a new firm, you certainly don't want to start out measuring, you know, all I think there's 43 or 41 KPIs in the book. I don't advocate that anybody does that. You want to start out with measuring KPIs in each of the area, but maybe go into depth in an area where you might be having some challenges. So for example, if you haven't been seeing a lot of repeat clients, like you feel like anecdotally you see clients and then you're not getting referrals from those clients, you're not getting repeat business if that is the type of practice that you're in, um, you might want to start looking right away at you know, the KPI, which is the net promoter score around client experience, before you waste too much time, you know, worrying about your firm culture or how much it costs you to acquire those clients, you better figure out if if something's wrong, or there's something that you can do better around, you know, the experience that you're giving your clients. You know, one of the things that struck me as I was reading is that there are a lot of things where I already have the numbers. And I could look back over the last 12 months or probably three years and just pull the numbers out of my accounting software, out of my billing software. And I can probably just figure a lot of these things out. But some of the things are not so clear. Um, You just mentioned net promoter score, which a lot of firms aren't doing. Um, And we've talked about in some depth before um, with (laughs) Billy Terrasio and I, I think, um, went into some depth about it on the podcast. But, uh, But also things like your client pipeline. Um, and, and you recommend doing some things like assigning a few different values to potential clients, deciding when somebody is an actual qualified potential client. And then are you, are you winning that business? And, and even before that happens, um, you use two terms, which I liked the go and the get, how likely are they to go ahead and get legal services? Uh, and, and how likely is it that your firm will get their business and just give it 25 50, 75, 100% likelihood, uh, and then set a value on the likely the likely value of that business. And you can start putting a val- dollar value on your potential client pipeline, which probably tells you how healthy your firm is going to be in one or two or six or 12 months, depending on how long your workflows are, which I thought was really kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, we could you could totally do that at any firm. You can figure out how healthy you're going to be in six months. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and you... Love yeah, that. Well, thank you. And I did not invent it. We basically, um, in the last about 18 months, uh, I was always focused on the front end piece when I was selling track light. And so I'd be talking to lawyers and I'd ask them questions like, well, how many clients do you have in your pipeline, but not using those exact words. And most potential law firm clients or lawyers could not answer questions like, how much does it cost for them to acquire their client? Um, You know, how much are these different types of clients going to be worth to them? And, you know, I had lawyers tell me, oh, I have enough clients. 
but then they couldn't quantify if that's enough for the next three months. Is that enough for the next six months? You know, do you have to hire more people? So the pipeline is something that has been used for years and years and years in sales. You mentioned in in that chapter about client acquisition costs, another thing, which is sort of the, the lost opportunity costs of the time you spend talking to clients. If you have a billable rate, or even if you don't, if you use flat fees, you can still, you know, work backwards from that and figure out what an hour of your time is worth. But if you're spending an hour of time with every client and an hour of your time is worth $200, then your cost of acquiring a client is the number of hours you're spending with potential clients, plus whatever other marketing expenses you might have divided by the number of new clients you get in a month. And most lawyers seem to think that, well, I get all of my work by word of mouth. So my cost of acquiring a client is the cost of a few lunches and dinners, which isn't right. Like your math is off, right? Right. That kind of should blow some minds because I know a lot of lawyers like to think that being a lawyer means you have these really huge return on investment numbers, right? Uh, You know, like, oh yeah, you know, for every dollar I spend, I make 10 or $20. But what's really going on there is you're failing to capture all of the costs that go into acquiring a new client. Uh, And I think actually putting it on a spreadsheet and tracking it over time is going to blow some minds. Exactly. Because the whole idea that if you do get your clients through word of mouth, that is the best way to get clients. And even better, though, can be if your existing client, if you can upsell that client, because you're not, you know, if you're in their meeting, working with them, and then you can suggest something new, and then they buy your services, that's great, then you truly haven't given up any time to acquire the client. Acquiring brand new clients, it does take a lot of effort, and it takes time, which if it doesn't matter how you're billing, your time is still worth something. And what people tend to do is look at it if they are costing into their cost of client acquisition, they'll say, well, I pay this person, you know, $50 an hour. So that's how much it's costing me. It's that lost opportunity. If that $50 an hour person could be billing out at 200, that's the number that you have to use because you've lost the opportunity for that person to be billing at the 200. And this came out of, this is how I got back into KPIs. I did them 20 something years ago um, on a project. And at a college where I went in to do a turnaround, we were putting in place, um, you know, student satisfaction, a lot of these same um, KPIs. And it's funny because the framework there was a framework of seven also. And of course, this has changed considerably over 22 years. But it was explaining opportunity cost and how Tracklight reduces the cost of client acquisition for certain types of lawyers. That was how I got back into talking about KPIs within law. Because you you sort of had to prove the value to to the people, your potential customers. Exactly. We have a little video that shows it on the track (laughs) website, which shows, you know, an attorney spending 10 hours, he only gets two clients, and each of those clients are worth X. So, you know, that you have to take the dollar value of all of his time and divide it by two. So that was $1,500 for each client. (laughs) That's our little, our little math example. But it's, It's one of the things where even if you don't go to the trouble of tracking it on an ongoing basis, if you just sit down and think about it, it can lead to some significant changes in the way that you do your um, your client prospecting or client development. Well, right, because so as I'm as I'm reading, I'm thinking, okay, like I see the value 
of tracking goals and metrics for every firm. But it seems to me that there are two types of firms that would really benefit from this. And one is probably already doing it. And that's the uh, the entrepreneurial lawyer who is really trying to figure out how to do things differently or better or scale up, build a different business model. If you're already thinking in terms of business strategies and models, you're probably already thinking in terms of KPIs in one way or another, and you probably should just get this book so that you've got the spreadsheets. But the other type of firm, which I think is all over the place, is the lawyer who's just working his or her ass off and doesn't feel like they're ever doing as well as they want to do, right? Like they they just can't figure out why the numbers aren't working. And the numbers are working somehow, and you just need to kind of sit down and put them all together and figure it all out. And it's going to become very clear what kinds of changes you need to make. And I think some of the examples you gave in the book really illustrated what this type of firm could look like. And I thought, I thought like those are the two types of firms that really could take advantage of KPIs, even if they're a good idea for just about every firm. So we're going to take, uh, we're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, I want to follow up on that thought. And then I want to talk about how to implement this, what kinds of tools you might need, uh, and what sort of things, specific numbers and digits you need to track. Um, So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Billable hours are the lifeblood of a successful law practice. Problem is, you still have to bill those hours. Even if your law firm has an accountant, tracking hours, clients, rates, preparing invoices, and collecting on those invoices is time you never get paid for. And writing notes to yourself in court or on the road is inefficient and error-prone. Run your legal practice better with cloud accounting software and see why over 600,000 small businesses love Zero, including Lawyerist. Get a free trial at Zero.com. That's X-E-R-O.com. Beautiful accounting software. This podcast is supported by Ruby Receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted. So when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. Okay, we're back. And Mary, if you wanted to follow up on that, let me hear it. So one of the things you're mentioning with these lawyers that are killing it and then not really understanding where they're at. Um, when I was writing the book, Thomson Reuters did a little survey of some of their customers and um, the Firm Central customers who who provided some really interesting feedback in terms of what they how they measured success and success with respect to profitability. And um, a lot of them were measuring whether they were profitable by looking at their bank balance by looking at, you know, basically, which doesn't really tell you anything. (laughs) No, (laughs) particularly if you've written a lot of checks, for those of you who do, Mm -hmm. you know, balance your checkbook, the, the whole idea that you are looking backwards in the rear view mirror. So you're running around, you're delivering great client services, and you're, you know, 
But you look at your bank and you're thinking, well, I'm not doing well. Well, is that because there's a lot of your work that hasn't even been billed out? Or mm -hmm. is that because you haven't collected it? Is that why you don't have enough cash? So KPIs give you um, the they're kind of like levers of, hey, if I'm doing well, if I feel like I'm doing well, then what are the different levers that, you know, what can I change to actually demonstrate that I'm doing well? Or am I really doing well? Right. Um, you know, just because you're busy doesn't mean you're profitable. They're, it's so. kind of, they're a forensic tool, but they're also a forecasting tool. Yes. And, and that's why around the pipelines, um, you know, some of these spectacular failures, not of, of law firms, but of businesses where they kind of wake up one morning, they can't make payroll. Well, you don't want that to happen with your law firm. And it starts with making sure you have enough clients in the pipeline. And so that's why, you know, the, the framework starts with client development, because that's where the whole process starts. So I, I realize that KPIs and uh, goal tracking and, and measuring has been around forever in, in the normal business world. Um, and in the, in the law firm business world, this sounds a little bit new. And so people may think, may be thinking that most of this stuff involves technology. Um, and it, I, I think the message that you are trying to hand out is that technology can make it easier, but it doesn't really have anything to do with that. Is that right? Correct. You can basically run your entire firm using a calculator. I wouldn't suggest this, but <laughs> using a, a calculator and, you know, printing out invoices and you could record it all in Excel and not even using a, you know, not even use an accounting package or a time and billing or a practice management. As long as you have Excel, you can do key performance indicators. Now, you could even do them without Excel. Yeah, you could do it on with pencil and paper <laughs> on a ledger, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, but we're now we're flashing back to like 30 years ago when when I did accounting on those 14 column, um, you know, 14 column sheets. I think they called them. <laughs> but if it makes but, you feel better, and if if carbon cop, if carbon paper and pencil and ledgers and graph paper is your thing, you can do it that way. <laughs> You can. I would not suggest Let's not, though. it. <laughs> Let's not. Let's not. Uh, but you don't have to go any further than Excel. And when I was writing the book, I wanted to make it so that anybody could do this. You don't have to say, well, you have to go buy, you know, Firm Central, fill in the blank with every other legal practice management system, or, you know, you, you need QuickBooks or you need Zero. It doesn't matter what system you have. The most important thing is that you have good data. And it's not and, the system. And the data is stuff like how many people contacted our firm seeking representation last month or how many qualified potential clients contacted our firm last month. How did they find us? How much money did we make last month? What unbilled time is sitting out there that we haven't converted to invoices? And how many invoices have we failed to convert to cash? It's, it's just... It's digging all out all of those numbers and then keeping track of them. Right. And a lot of the systems, if you are using technology, a lot of them will export files that, you know, are Excel files. And you can either have someone in your office or you can, you know, outsource. Outsource what you don't know. That's another theme in the, in the book yeah. is that you need to do all of this, but you might have gone to law school to escape the numbers, which is fine. Um, but then make sure you're paying somebody to actually do this for you. But you can link all these spreadsheets together. You can put them in Excel. Like, wouldn't it be lovely if all of this was in your legal practice management system? But 
for now, it's not. So creating the Excel for now is kind of the the basic starting point. My hope is that somebody will take what's in the book and put it in a legal practice management system and and um, have this be on a dashboard. And so for now, though, we use Excel. There are some very <laughs> fancy, fancy software that the bigger firms are using, um, like McCarthy Tetro in Canada is implemented a remote score and they're doing like a firm-wide pipeline, but they're using, you know, the bigger versions of tools like Tableau and things like that. That's just cost, um, you know, cost effective for a small firm. So Excel it is. <laughs> Why don't we pick a, pick a KPI that you think everybody should be tracking and let's walk through what kind of data are we trying to collect to put into it? Um, and, and then what do we do? How often should we be tracking it? Uh, and then what do we do with the numbers? What are they actually showing us and how should we react to them? Can you, is there a KPI that you particularly like that you could kind of walk us through the process of collecting it, uh, measuring it and evaluating it? Sure. i you mentioned, I usually do net promoter score, but you mentioned that you and Billy, um, you know, worked on net promoter score. We could, talk about let's um, talk about the cost of client acquisition since it's something that we've talked about a little bit already um what are the what are the data inputs that you need for that how do you collect them um and measure them and 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 then what does the number look like how are we compare what are we comparing it to uh and then what do we do about it so client acquisition costs um you you what you're trying to do is figure out how much spent to acquire the new clients that month. So uh, we'll just use that as an example. Mm -hmm. So in a month, you have the amount that you spend on sales and marketing, like the lunches, you might be advertising. So in your financial statements, you should have a line, which is the sales and marketing spend. So you, you want to have that number link into where you're calculating this for each month. So you're not trying to figure out which client you spent that money on and do this kind of how much did you spend all month trying to get new clients. So, um, and do that, I count stuff like, uh, you know, going to a bar committee meeting because I mean, that's, that helps me get clients, but I, it's, it's more of like a professional membership thing that I do. Well, that's a, it's, it's an interesting question for two. I mean, it depends. And there's kind of no right or wrong in terms of if you feel that that's how you're, you know, you're going, you're meeting other lawyers who might refer you to clients. So maybe it's professional development. But if you really want to examine how much you are spending, even indirectly on your client acquisition, put it in. It's gotcha. better to put more things in then leave them out and sort of fool yourself. Yeah. Um, so you have that type of spending. Then you want to calculate the non-billable or the client development, business development, whatever you're calling it. You might have somebody in your office specifically assigned with marketing. So some of the firms that are kind of, you know, above the 10 crowding into the 30 lawyers will have a marketing person. That person's salary should be included in this, in this calculation. Hmm. So if that person is not billable and they are only working on, um, you know, marketing initiatives for the firm, then put in their salary. If they are billable, then you would be putting in the hours that they spent, um, that, that would otherwise be billable. And then and that, that and that's non-billable time. 
but I still want to track it so that I can figure out how much it's costing me. Right. And then when you go to, you know, the lawyers that went and made the presentation at a, you know, like, let's say you're a startup lawyer. So you you went and you presented um, and sponsored an event. So you have the cost of the sponsorship, but then there's also the time that you could have been, you could have been billing. And so that goes in. So the be- easiest way to do that is to have a non-billable code that's called client development and have that tracked. And so what you do is you throw it all in and you compare that number with the number of new clients that you've opened. You know, if you're using a, depends which system you're using, but you want to have new client matters or number of new clients. And this is where the KPIs, they start to. And are we getting out a percentage or a ratio or what are we looking at there? That's a dollar value. So for example, let's say I spent $30,000 and I, I got three new clients just because that's very easy math because I don't have a calculator. (laughs) (laughs) So so $10,000 per new client. So you better be making more than $10,000 per client. Exactly. Because it's one of those things where you get the metric and then people are like, well, what's the right answer? What should my target be? It depends. Like if your clients each are, you know, those three clients are going to generate you a hundred thousand dollars each in billing, then, you know, that's great. You're, Mm -hmm. you're, that's positive. Uh, if they're going to generate $1,500 each, then you need to look at, is there a better way of, uh, acquiring these clients? And, you know, so you really need a second KPI to to assess this, which is like the, the average dollar figure per client or something like that. This is where the KPIs, where you start to see why it's dangerous just to go off and say, I'm only doing one KPI from one, you know, one area. So you want to look at your pipeline and figuring out your average value per client helps you with this KPI. The good news is a lot of the data that you're going to collect and use, it goes in multiple places, which is why even within your KPI spreadsheet, you can link it so that your, you know, your number of new clients is used in four different calculations, for example. Mm -hmm. So you would want to look and say, okay, is $10,000 reasonable? And um, I I did a presentation with uh, Billy Tarasio, and her firm had done some of these KPIs. She did a whole uh, study on conversion rate, which is a different, you know, how many clients was she converting out of the numbers that she talked to, you know, she talked to. And that led her to then figure out, well, that's not, it's not a very good rate. She and I got together and we figured out her cost of client acquisition just using her time. And she was shocked. So Mm -hmm. she changed up the way that she was prospecting new clients, what technology they were using. So what ends up happening is it's like a little bit like pulling on a string, um, <laughs> you know, like on the yarn, because it will unravel first before you kind of put it all back together. So another thing with KPIs is you kind of have to be open to change unless you just want to, you know, look at your KPIs once and then, you know, sort of shut the spreadsheet. Well, I was going to say, so when, once we've tracked them and we have them, what do like, what do we do with them? How often do we check them? And then the end results. And, and you really start out from the premise. I think in the introduction, you say, look, if you're not willing to change your firm, shut this book and walk away. 
because there's no point, right? <laughs> I don't remember being that direct, but it was I'm, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's true. I mean, there's no point, and it's very frustrating to your staff and anyone else who's supporting you by creating these KPIs if no one's going to look at them. Mm-hmm. If no one's going to look at them, and even worse, if nobody's going to take any action. And um, so if you're cool with the status quo firm and how much you make and you don't want to learn anything more, then, you know, don't implement KPIs. Um, (laughs) Ignorance is bliss. (laughs) Be happy and then retire. Um, I just think that, you know, particularly around net promoter score and some of these other metrics, it's going to be the differentiator for some firms. I know some folks Well, net promoter score is one where, where, uh, when people start tracking it, they're like, oh, my clients love me. And then they get their net promoter scores back and they're like, well, oh, they don't? Like, I, <laughs> I was really sure that they did. And, and, and then I guess they kind of don't. Um, so, you, you, might fi- you, might not, you might find out more information than you want to know. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, the net promoter score one, it, it's funny. Um, I was at a, an event in Miami and Dan Lear was talking about it and he uh, from Avo and he was he was saying people don't recognize it can actually be a negative number. So when somebody's very freaked out because their net promoter <laughs> score is 30, you know, the worst it could be is negative 100. So right. you have to put it into put it into perspective. But I know most most lawyers that I've talked to, they want to set their net promoter score at like 75 because that's human nature, right? You want to think that more people than not like you. So is so do I get up every morning and check my KPIs and decide what changes to make or is this a weekly, monthly, annual thing? How do I what do I do with them? What I recommend is that in the first quarter, let's say you get all excited about KPIs and you are off to the races, what you need to do is figure out okay, what's a reasonable number and then once I've calculated them, I'm not going to look at these every day or every week. I think to start, you should look at everything after the first month to make sure that you don't have any really wacky results. Even the ones that I recommend are quarterly or annual. Just take a look to make sure that the the data is at least going in. But then it becomes a monthly, um, you know, when you sit down and review your financials, you should be also looking at your KPIs. In the perfect world, you wouldn't have Because to you are sitting down and reviewing your financials monthly, right? <laughs> <laughs> I skipped right by that. That's an assumption. <laughs> but when, when you sit down with your accountant or your admin or whoever or yourself, if you're doing your own financials, you should be able to look on your KPI spreadsheet and um, there's some things you can do with Excel where you can make little graphs. So you can have a visual depiction of it. But it's really one of those things where it's it's not a daily, it's not Facebook. Um, <laughs> so right. It's not a daily, a daily view. Well, and it's those long-term trends that in, in many cases are more revealing and interesting anyway. Um, a spike is a spike. Like it may or may not mean anything until you see it over the long term. Exactly. And we also suggest that you go back at least a year. And for anything that you have gathered, I do 
recommend that you go backwards and try to create things. Like obviously you can't go back in time and do net promoter scores. I wouldn't suggest sending out surveys to clients from two years ago or anything like that. I think you need to go forward with the things that you haven't done. Um, you know, if you measuring firm culture, there's some easy surveys out there. If you haven't done that before, don't worry about it. Just go forward. But there's a lot of these, like you mentioned at the beginning, particularly around profitability or productivity, where you could go back in your information. And when you're trying to figure out kind of what's the average type of matters that I have for my firm, you're probably going to have to go back, um, you know, go back a couple of years. My other piece of advice is don't get too detailed or granular right away. Look at it from an uh, an overview. So I like to use the example of um, collections. So if you have a cash problem, it's either because it's jammed up, you're not billing, or you're not collecting. So do a quick calculation to try to figure out where is it jammed up, or look at your accounts receivable, um, you know, your aging, and look really quickly, like, oh, wait, half of my receivables are over 90 days. Um, that's where the problem is. So I don't have to change my billing necessarily. I need to change my collections. So well, it's I, I don't want to go against the whole premise of KPIs, but some of these things, if you can just grab the numbers real quick, you can just pull them up to answer a question that you might currently have about the health of your firm. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't track it over time, you just pull some information out of your accounting software and go, oh, I see what's going on here. Right. And and yes, it would be nice if everybody was methodical and, and perfect, but then we'd all be accountants. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, it, it is better. Some KPIs are better than none. And really, people can spend a lot of time worrying about things. And I suggest that you just kind of dive in, try to look at something. But as you mentioned, look at it for the first, you know, out each month for the first quarter, and then let things go and start looking at them. Particularly, don't change your targets every, you know, every month. Mm -hmm. That kind of defeats the purpose of, of budgeting. So let me wrap up with a couple of things here. Um, one, uh, you've got a few days left to plan for the new year. And I think one of the things you should do during that time is get a copy of Mary's book, and we'll have a link in the show notes on lawyerists.com, and get a copy of her book and implement some of the KPIs. Um, if there are particular areas of concern in your practice, go with those. Um, as she recommends, pick one from each of the seven categories, uh, whatever, but, but start tracking some of the things that concern you about your practice, especially if you either feel bogged down by your practice or you really want to grow or change or do something cool in the coming years. Um, and keep an eye out on our site. Uh, we have a plan uh, for Mary to do kind of a starter spreadsheet for KPI tracking. And it'll, it might be a month or two before that comes out. But keep an eye on our site. Um, you'll be able to download that. Uh, and she'll kind of explain and walk you through how to implement it. Um, but I think this is a great way to start the new year is with a new set of goals and a plan for tracking them uh, and meeting them so that you can improve your firm. So, Mary, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciated the introduction to KPIs, uh, and I hope uh, that you come back someday to talk with us more about it and to help people move their practices forward based on the numbers. Well, thank you very much, Sam. It was fun to be here. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast. 
If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit lawyerist.com slash podcast or legaltalknetwork.com. You can subscribe via iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Both Lawyerist and the Legal Talk Network can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and you can download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play or iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said during this podcast is legal advice.